listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. I heard somebody mention this earlier. I think it was Chris said, uh, you know, this is probably going to be the week of Easter hangover. Um, <laughs> notoriously, uh, those are... Uh, Compared to the, the week before, uh, there, there's people that are kind of taking a break this week, and I understand why. Uh, so, so here we are after Holy Week, ended in Easter uh, last week. Uh, we're getting back, if you remember, we were in the Book of Romans, uh, but we're getting back to the Book of Romans. And when we left off, Paul had been talking about several things. First of all, he was reminding us that our only hope, our only remedy for a broken world and for broken lives like ours uh, was God's sending of the Son, Jesus, into the, uh, the world and the life he did, I mean the life he lived and the work he did in life and death to save us, to rescue us from the evilness in the world and the evilness in our own heart. He also reminded us that at one point that God works in mysterious ways. That you, you, you don't always know how he's going to work. You don't know the mind of God uh, in that way. Uh, but today he's going to point to the fact that anyone who chooses to accept the free gift of grace from the Father is going to be welcomed with open arms. And it's almost a call to say things need to be clarified in Christianity, probably more than they are. So let's look at our passage for today. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles today, you can uh, open it to uh, Romans 10, 9 through 17. Or as always, we have it in our order of worship here. If you'll follow along with me, uh, we'll look at this section in Romans. Paul says this, because you have, if, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him if they have not heard? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching? And how are they going to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not obeyed, all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing. Hearing through the word of the, for the word of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Father God, be with us today uh, just for a few moments here. Give us clarity of what you would have us to understand about the good news, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. Uh, some years back, after my youngest brother passed away, uh, I thought a lot about the position that it put my, my dad and my other brother in. See, they, they'd all farmed together. Uh, they were all uh, equal partners. Uh, I was the only one 
in life that, that took my father's advice when he told us, get off the farm. You don't want to work here. Uh, but my other two brothers, they came back. So anyway, when my brother passed away, at the time I was so worried about the situation uh, that it would put my dad and my brother in that I began to actually entertain the notion of going back to the farm to help him at that point. But here's what you need to know. Even though I grew up on a farm, you would be surprised how little I know about running a farm. Sometimes that's the way it works out, right? Anyway, I was talking to my, my brother Chad, and I was mentioning the idea of my coming back to help him, and, uh, but also mentioned the fact that I wouldn't know the first thing about managing a farm of the size of what they were farming. Now, my brother wasn't trying to talk me into coming back. He wasn't trying to talk me out of coming back. But I'll never forget his response. He said, come on, James. He said, it's farming. It's not rocket science. Uh, and so he was basically saying, hard work, yes. Long hours, you better believe it, but not rocket science. I always love it when people say that. It just cracks me up. But I feel like Paul is saying something similar to that today. See, up until this point in, in Romans, if you remember and you think back what we've been going through, Paul has made some pretty complex arguments, mainly because he's dealt with some pretty deep theological truths. And at times, let's be honest, he's been a little hard to understand in sections. But today, I think he's clarifying. Today, I think he's being straightforward, reminding us all that becoming a, a believer, what it really means to be a Christian, is a big deal, but it's not rocket science. So let's look at our three points that we have today. We're going to talk about the confession. We're going to talk about the charge. And then we're going to talk about the conclusion so look, and, the, and that outline is in your order of worship. So let's talk about this idea of confession. He says in verse 9, because if you confess your, with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, I once took a philosophy class, and uh, the first thing the teacher did when I came to that class, he pulled out this seat, and he said, this is a chair, and it's not a chair. Uh, and I kind of scratched my head a little bit and I was looking around and some of the people in the class are like, wow, am I missing something here? Then, then, he, then he goes on to talk about uh, Plato's cave, that we're all in this cave and that, that we're, we're stuck in this cave until we become enlightened in some way and get out of that cave. And then he moved on to a philosopher named Descartes and he talked about the idea of I think, therefore I am. And by the end, and I have to admit, I was young at the time, but by the end, I thought, what a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. <laughs> I mean, I thought philosophy is supposed to be about pursuing wisdom and gaining insight. Now I'm more confused than, than, than ever. Someone once said that uh, philosophy uh, can be an assault on your intelligence by use of fancy words, and I understand why they would say that. But Paul has taken a different route in the Book of Romans because for all the lofty ideas, all the big things he's talking about, He's actually clearing the air here 
as he's getting toward the end of the book by getting to the exact point. Unless you were confused at any point of what Paul was getting at, this is what he's talking about today. He is saying, I've been talking about some deep things in the faith, but let me, under, let me remind you of what, to understand what really matters. The essence of the whole thing is faith in Jesus Christ. There's a method to Paul's madness. Uh, from the beginning of Romans, he stated this. If you look back, uh, he talked about the idea of righteousness, right standing with God, having, uh, finding favor in God Almighty is by faith and faith alone. It's not by being a good person. It's not by being religious. It's not by following the Ten Commandments. Nothing that we do. He's been hitting that the whole time, and he sums up this here. And this is the opposite of what so many people thought in religion at the time. This is provocative to a lot of people. It's, and it's the same thing today. Uh, because if you tell people, like, you just need to believe, they're like, I know that, but don't you also have to? No. That's, Paul's telling you that. Belief in that. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Because all that's required is belief. Specifically the belief with the mind and the heart. As we talked about last week, specifically as he talks about that Jesus was raised from the dead. That, that Jesus really did all he said he did. He, you don't pick and choose. You accept all of who he is. And then Paul, in the same verses, he mentions confessing uh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth. What, what's he talking about here? Well, first of all, don't misunderstand this. He's not saying that you're not saved until you make some outward confession in front of uh, all these people or, or, or just to say it out loud as if it's magic words. That's not what he's talking about here because that would be adding something to the belief that he's talking about. Now he's, he's simply saying this, that belief uh, in, is not just agreeing with the good news of Jesus or saying, I'd like for that to be true or I'm okay with people believing that or intellectually thinking, okay, I can kind of see what you're saying here. It's submitting with your heart and your soul and your mind in a deep way. And when you do that, like all things that are important in our lives, like all things that we're passionate about, you can't help but talking about it. You can't help but sharing about it. Which brings us to point number two, the charge that he gives to us. Verse 14, he says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him that, that they have not heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Have you ever thought to yourself, even though we're here in a church plant today, why do people plant churches? I mean, aren't there enough churches around here already? And people ask me this all the time. Uh, you know, they ask something along the lines of, James, what, what made you feel called by God to plant a church? Uh, sometimes they're really just asking this. They're like, what made you leave a comfortable job, you know, as an administrator in a private school? Uh, basically, they're saying, what were you thinking? Uh, for all the craziness and the counseling and the messy relationships and the broken lives um, and the interrupted schedules, why would you sign up for this? Well, this passage I just read, this is why, or this is what I was thinking, and this is why Chelsea Presbyterian exists. 
in the first place. It's not because, and, and we think about it, it's easy to get in this mode. This church exists not because we can just have hospitality, that we can enjoy brunch together, that we can come in here and feel like we belong and be a part of the family. That's a beautiful thing. And that's something that, that, that's very important. But it's more than that. We exist so that people outside of our church can hear a message of hope and love and understand that they are not alone, that it's not left up to them, that they have someone, we have someone to rescue and save us. And it's not you, it's not me, it's not a certain politician, it's Jesus Christ. See, church, Paul was a church planner. And all his church planning work that he did and more indicate the fact that we're, churches are to send people into the world so that people can hear. Because if folks don't hear, how will they believe? And here's the other thing. It's not just a charge for preachers like me. It's talking about anybody that would be a messenger or proclaim it. It applies to all of us. This is a call. This passage right here is a call to every single person in this room who's a believer to share what you believe, to care for those around you uh, enough to want them to experience what you've experienced by way of freedom and forgiveness and new life that Jesus has offered. Let's look at our last point here. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of Christ. Um, I was watching a pretty good movie last night. Um, Larissa and I were together. Uh, it's called Anola Holmes, right? About uh, this idea of Sherlock Holmes having a, a sister. Uh, and it's pretty good. Uh, but you ever try to describe a movie or an experience or a song or a memory that you're really passionate about, that you really enjoy, but when you're explaining to the other person, they have this glazed over look, like they're not getting it in that way? Well, Paul here is stopping his uh, little discussion on the need for the gospel to be preached to remind us also of one other point, that not everyone that hears the gospel will believe it. Uh, they won't get it. Many of them won't. It's a reminder that, that we will share it, and there will be, it will be talking about the experiences that we've had in Christianity, and there will be those that don't comprehend it, or they outright just reject it. And that's okay. We are responsible for telling others and sharing uh, the hope that we have within us. Uh, we are responsible for that. We're not responsible for the way they respond. But the Bible says that there will be those that will respond to this. And it tells us how people come in contact with the gospel of the same. The word of God comes from a person, and that other person believes in it. And then the person is saved by putting their faith in Jesus Christ. When we share the gospel, the good news to all people, knowing that God, well, we, we can know that God will work through his word. We don't have to be salesmen. We don't have to manipulate conversations. We don't have to make it fancier than it is. Matter of fact, I would hope that you wouldn't. And Paul's hope would be the, the same thing because it's a simple formula here. The word of Christ is preached. People hear it. And then they either respond to their faith or they don't. That's how people come to be believers. Not by doing the right thing. Not by not doing the wrong things. Not even by attending church. But believing by faith in what they have heard. 
about what Jesus has done on their behalf. So the thought today is this, in the end. Maybe we complicate it too much. Maybe we overthink it. Uh, and what we believe about Christianity or what we believe about the, the church or maybe the way we share Jesus uh, to others. <clears throat> After people have taken a class at our church to become a member, we have uh, an inquirer's class uh, or a membership class, if you want to call it that, for those that are interested in becoming a, class, uh, a member at our church. And they decide they want to become a member, and they go through that class. But at the end of the class, I interview them before they can become a member. Uh, and I ask them two simple questions. And by the way, if you're eventually wanting to join the church, I'm giving you a cheat sheet here, so you can write this down. But I ask two questions. First of all, do you believe that you have done anything to earn salvation or to put you in a right standing with God? And the answer is no. Second question, do you trust in the work of Jesus Christ, his work alone, nothing else, for your salvation? The answer is yes. So how would you answer those questions today? Do you need to simplify your beliefs about Christianity? Has Christianity become a bunch of do's and don'ts to you? Has Christianity be, be, become uh, getting theology right, getting, having all the answers? When people ask you certain questions about the church, do you need to simplify those beliefs? Do you, maybe you need to get back to the basics. Maybe we all need to get back to the basics. Maybe more than that, the question is, how would you talk to someone that wanted to know more about the essence of what we're about here at Chelsea Presbyterian Church? See, Jesus came and he simplified all the talk during his day about church and religion and Christianity for us. He says, come to me, repent of trying to do it yourself, rest and believe in the work that I am doing, and then you'll have new life, abundant life for all eternity. Let's meditate on that as we come to the Lord's table today. Let's pray. Father God, we are people that always want to add our own spin on your word on what you have taught us to believe. We want to add words to the good news. We, we always want it to be about, yes, I believe, but I also want to do this work. Lord, get us out of that uh, constant state of being fearful that we're not doing enough. Help us to rest in your son. Help us to repent of those good deeds that we hold on to that have become idols in our life. Help us to repent of thinking that we're better than others because of what we do or that we find favor with you when we do good things and we fall out of favor when we don't do good things. Break that mold for us. Soften our hearts. Help us as little children to come and rest in your arms based on the work that Jesus has done. In his name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.